Apple presents Meet the Author. Put your hands together as the Apple Store welcomes William Lowe. Thank you, thank you. Um, th thanks so much for coming by. It's a great honor to be here. It's really fantastic to be in the Apple Store. And uh, as, um, as, as, as was mentioned earlier, I am an instructor at FIT. I teach digital painting. I'm also an author and an illustrator, and I've done many books, including this one. The original book was done for a thesis when I was going for my master's in Syracuse University. So I would like to start with a couple of photographs to give you an, an idea of what, about what the original Penn Station used to look like. I am a Long Island commuter, and the last stop of my train is Penn Station. And I'm really not very fond of that station because it's very dirty, very crowded, and I found out that it used to be quite beautiful. There's one point where if you could actually come into the train, you could see the sky. And I saw this photograph of the original Penn Station, and you could see that it looked like an old crystal palace. From the outside, it was very stately with, with columns, beautiful statues up on top with the clocks. But after only 60 years, it was torn down to make room for an office tower and Madison Square Garden. This is a photograph in the, seven, in the 60s when scaffolding was laid up and you can see the, the outside of the building about to be torn down. While Penn Station was still in operation, they brought in a crane with gigantic red girder beams. But the plan was that the station still needed to work to still run while it was being torn down. And you can see the people down below, underneath the cranes and all the work as the station was being dismantled. Finally, towards the end, they, the cranes came over and picked up all the different statues and brought them down to the street level. The rest of the stuff that some of the statues found homes and museums, but most of it was brought over to the New Jersey Meadowlands, where it was dumped. And it really is very sad what had happened to this Penn Station because it is a magnificent building. And my plan was to create a book about it because I never saw Penn Station. I have no idea what it looks like, and I basically had to recreate this thing that I never saw using photographs. So I had to go to the library and do a lot of research, took photographs of, of the um, architectural drawings. How do they build the tunnels? These are sand hogs building underneath the Hudson River. How do they build Penn Station? This is a construction photograph, I think about 1895, something like that. Here are some stages, please watch. These are Photoshop paintings. I take a computer, I have a tablet, and I just take out a pen and I just draw on top of the computer. And I would have photographs of, of um, the model, photographs of Penn Station, and put it all together to make the overall scene. Um, my wife pointed out that the light bulb did not look correct. It looked like a, one of those screw-on bulbs. And she went online and found out that the bulbs were really quite different. So thank goodness for the internet, because I was able to correct that later on in the book. Here's one more stage. This one's very complicated. 
So you're looking at the painting in progress, and it takes about two weeks to create a complicated scene like this. And if I did it on the computer, I was able to make copies and make things more easy, create a complicated scene more easily. But you still have to learn how to paint. You know, as an instructor, a lot of my students are learning how to paint on a computer. And they seem to think that it's actually easy because all you have to do is grab a picture from the internet and drop in some kind of a Photoshop filter on top of it and call it an original work of art. And I said, no, you still have to know how to draw and paint. What you have really is a copyrighted photograph with, with a Photoshop filter on top. And it really is a distinct difference. So I always tell my students that if you really want to draw, if you want to draw digitally, you have to learn how to paint first and then bring that technique over to the computer to make it your own. I would love to just jump over now to, to the iPad to show you what the book looks like in iBooks. If anyone has any questions, please feel free to raise. It's a very small group, so we could keep it intimate. Just raise your hands, and I'll be happy to answer any questions. Yes? I, I just wondered if it was similar to the separations that artists of illustrated books used to do, where they would do um, they would use uh, different levels and, and to put them all together so that they'd be painting on one uh, surface and yeah. then they'd cover it over the next? That's a great question. Um, for those of you who, who know anything about creating artwork for print, in the, there was a time when they used to do separations, especially if it was like a flat drawing with a color overlay, and those were like sheets of acetate that had color blocks inside of it. And it's the same idea, but because it's a Photoshop layer, you could actually paint on it with the, with, with the full range of colors, so that each, each layer is essentially a painting on top of a sheet of acetate, where you can see right through it. So the complicated scene that you saw earlier, like even something like this, where you have the complex girders and you have people in the foreground, each one of those elements are on separate layers that you paint on and develop on your own. So that if I were to work on the background, like, like say the moon in the back, if I wanted to take that moon and move it to a different spot, I can move it without fear of ruining the piece because each part of Photoshop has its own separate layer. So that's a really great question. It's the same idea. Yes. The, I only just saw the iPad version quite recently, and I was amazed because it's beautiful. And I don't know if it's because you, uh, Apple got a hold of the digital files, or the fact is that the, the color is exactly the way I'd expect it. And that's the one thing about these computers now, is that it's so good that if you work on a painting and you print it all out, what you see on the paint on, on, on the screen is very, very close to what will come out in the book itself. And when I was a tr traditional painter, that was always the big problem. How does it translate from the actual painting to the printed page? So this is the cover of Penn Station. And this is called the end paper. There are two, this, this is the part where, where uh, if, if this were a libra library book, they would put a label on top of this. And I have two different kinds of end papers. The front end paper, which is the very beginning of the book, will show the construction of Penn Station. And then the very back end paper will show the destruction. So it becomes like a li literally a bookend of the life of Penn Station. 
I'm going to read it out loud. In the 1890s, the Pennsylvania Railroad Company was one of the most powerful businesses in the United States. It had the biggest steam locomotives, and its trains reached every major city from Boston to Chicago. Every major city but one, New York. That's because the heart of New York City is an island called Manhattan. Since the Pennsylvania Railroad Company had no access to bridges or tunnels into Manhattan, its trains could not cross the Hudson River. When the conductor called out, last stop, New York, everyone was still in New Jersey. Passengers who wanted to go to New York City had to take the ferry. But the, but the mighty Pennsylvania Railroad Company was determined to have its trains cross the Hudson River into Manhattan and wanted to do it in style. So the company hired the architectural firm of McKim, Mead, and White to design a palace on West 32nd Street for the new electric trains which were fast replacing the older steam-driven locomotives. Hundreds of men were put to work. Tunnel workers called sand hogs burrowed slowly under the Hudson River. A half million cubic feet of pink granite were cut from the quarries of Milford, Massachusetts. Stonemasons carved these blocks from, into clocks, maidens, and majestic eagles designed by the famous sculptor Adolf Alexander Wyman. The station was completed in 1910. Trains going to Manhattan came through New Jersey and continued down the new tunnels under the river until they reached the final destination. Last stop, Penn Station, the conductor would call out, welcome to New York City. From the platform, people could see the, the sky. The station's concourse looked like a magical spider web of metal and glass. Now you all saw the early stages of how this painting was developed. And you could see how, as I was developing it, there's one part where the text was going to be, and that part was going to be dark. So as I was working on the painting, I would look at the words to make sure that you could still read the text inside the pretty complicated scene. Penn Station workers were proud of their new building, and they worked hard to keep everything clean, shiny, and working in tip-top shape. Passengers who were lost or needed assistance with their bags asked a friendly Penn Station porter for help. Passengers who needed a haircut, shave, or a spit and polish shoeshine went to the first-class barbershop by the station concourse. Passengers who are hungry could have dinner at the fabulous Savarin restaurant. Passengers who were tired could sit in a marvelous waiting room. Sunlight streamed through the windows, filling the room with dappled light. For many, it was a magical experience. The wonderful station was built to move people. At the end of World War II, hundreds of thousands of soldiers and officers crowded the concourse to return home to their families. A lot of people asked, why did they tear down Penn Station? The answer is about to come up. When the war ended, Americans wanted new lives. They wanted to marry, start families, and buy new cars and houses in the suburbs. In the 1950s, highways were built to connect these houses to the city, and many people began to see trains as old-fashioned. The leaders of the Pennsylvania Railroad Company couldn't imagine how trains would fit 
into this new world. They tried to modernize the station and their trains, but nothing worked. As a result, the Great Penn Station was struggling to survive. The Pennsylvania Railroad Company was losing money, so its leaders came up with a plan. They decided to make Penn Station smaller and move it underground. They would then build a brand new sports stadium and a modern office tower on top. But before this could be done, the magnificent building had to be torn down. As Penn Station was destroyed, you guys might recognize some of the photographs that I used in the creation of this painting, the part where you can actually see the crane and the people down below. So you, in showing you the photographs that I used, you're seeing little snippets about how the book was actually created. As Penn Station was destroyed, the shell of Madison Square Garden and the new Penn Plaza was built. Jackhammers rattled, bulldozers pu pushed, cranes lifted new beams up and carried old beams down. The station remained open despite all the noise and dirt. Many passengers had to run to the trains to escape the turmoil. You might even recognize this, where they started to take the eagles away. During the demolition, nothing was spared, not even the statues. Sledgehammers were used to dismantle the clocks and the sculptures of the maidens. A few people looked up when the cranes came for the eagles, but no one could stop the destruction. A few of the statues were saved and found new homes in museums and other places around the country. But most of the debris was shipped across the river and dumped into the marshes of the New Jersey Meadowlands. When I was working on this book, my son said, Dad, this is such a sad book. <laughs> and it really is. It's, it's very sad. And it's, it's, I was trying to find a way of being able to end the story on an up note. In 1966, the bulldozers, dump trucks, and cranes left West 32nd Street. The palace was gone forever. New Yorkers did not realize what they had until it was taken away. After the destruction of Penn Station, many people were angry. Some became outraged enough to start the New York City Landmarks Preservation Committee, which promised to save other beautiful old buildings from the wrecking ball and to preserve the charm of the city. The commission kept its promise when it saved Grand Central Terminal and many other historic buildings from the same fate that had befallen Penn Station. The Great Pennsylvania Railroad Station was much more than a train station. It was designed to be a monument to, to rail travel. Its beauty and grandeur were gifts to the city. Today, the memory of Penn Station's destruction still lingers, and it has become a powerful symbol. A reminder that buildings are not just concrete and steel. They are the heart and soul of all great cities. Thank you. And again, as I said before, when I first saw the, the book in the iPad, I was really amazed by the beauty of the color. And the nice thing about the iPad is that you can actually zoom in and look at the details of it. And I zoomed in at the individual paintings, and they look great. So it was, it was kind of fun. By all means, if you really like the book, please do get it in the store. Does anyone have any questions? Thank you, thank you. If you have a question for William, I have a mic, so we'll make sure everybody can hear you, including the folks at home uh, listening to the podcast. William, we had a question right over here. Oh, yes, please. 
opacity do you prefer to work in? Okay. Oh, the question, the question was, what opacity do, you, do I prefer to work in? I always tell my students not to paint at 100%, maybe 70% to cover up most of it. Because you paint at 100%, you're literally covering over everything. And you tend to sort of wipe out all the hand marks that you've built up. In many ways, uh, there is a kind of a patina that gets built up when you add all of these things. The question was, why do I prefer to paint in Photoshop as opposed to Corel? Uh, I, I have a love-hate relationship with this program. I only, everything it does is really hard, and I'm just like, I'm an old dog. I, can't, I get stubborn in my, in my old age. And so I'm not willing to learn how to do things a different way, and I just want to create the picture. When it comes to artwork, if you find yourself thinking too much about the process, you're really not creating anymore. So I'm comfortable in Photoshop. I can create in Photoshop. And then after it's done, I go into Corel Painter. So let's get those two programs if you want to learn how to paint. Okay? Have a great day, folks. Thank, Thank you. Thank you again, William. <laughs>